Welcome back to the Prospector Podcast, a bi-weekly production where we bring you the minor perspective. I'm your host, Itzel Hiron, and I'm glad you're back. To start off, I bring you The Pick, a quick rundown of all things you need to know. Hispanic Heritage Month begins this Thursday, September 15th, and YouTube has announced a few events coming up, including El Grito Ceremony. El Grito Ceremony will take place the 15th from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. at Centennial Plaza. Queen Elizabeth II has died at the age of 96. She passed at her summer home, Balmoral Castle, in Scotland. Her Royal Majesty was the longest-serving monarch in United Kingdom history. Her son Charles has now ascended to the throne as His Royal Highness King Charles III. The biggest film festivals happened over this past week, which included the Venice Film Festival and the Toronto International Film Festival. Both festivals featured the premieres of many upcoming movies, including The Whale featuring Sadie Sink and Brendan Fraser, Don't Worry Darling, which features Harry Styles and Florence Pugh, Bones and All with Timothy Chalamet, and My Policeman, which features Emma Corrin, Harry Styles, and David Dawson. However, there seemed to be one thing overshadowing the amazing films being premiered at these festivals, and that is, I guess you could call it Spitgate. The real question is, did Harry Styles actually spit on Chris Pine? I mean, personally, I don't think so, but I think that's because I'm slightly biased and I love Harry Styles. But also, I love Chris Pine, and I highly doubt that Harry Styles would ever spit on him. And both representatives did confirm that there was no such spitting, but... What do you guys have to say? Do you think Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine? What's your take on it? Let us know on any of our social media platforms at The Utah Prospector. Well, to back away from Spitgate, the Emmys were this past Monday, September 12th, which celebrated the biggest names in television. The top winners included Succession for Outstanding Drama Series, Ted Lasso for Outstanding Comedy Series, Zendaya also won for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama for her role as Rue in Euphoria, Amanda Seyfried also won for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Limited Series or TV Movie for her role as Elizabeth Holmes in The Dropout. Now, if you haven't heard of my next guest, I'm honestly shocked. They surprised Miners with a high-energy show at Gold Rush and brought the high energy back again for Miner Palooza. They're the newest winners of Battle of the Bands, Melancholy 10. I sat down with three of the group of seven to talk about what life has been like after winning. So we have Luis, Che, and Bert. <laughs> cool. So how does it feel to be the newest winners of Battle of the Bands? Insane. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think... Well, I kind of thought we would, but like, also I didn't think we would, so I don't know, it was pretty crazy. It's unreal. The other bands were so good. Yeah. Sultanas was amazing. Like, yeah. We yeah. loved them. They're one of our friends. But, yeah. what, what was that process like of like, for you guys to be like, oh, I want to I join Battle of the Bands, and then actually making it all the way to the end, how was that process like? So last year we saw that there was a Battle of the Bands, and that was kind of like when we started actually playing as a band. So we knew like maybe it was too late for that, but... As soon as we saw that last year, like, okay, we have to do that next year. So for us to, like, be selected this year, like, not only be selected, but, like, make it this far and win, like, that was insane. Like, it felt like we manifested it. <laughs> yeah, like Chess said, it was something that, like, we had in mind for, like, a year. So it was kind of like we've been working up to this for a year, almost. And, like, we were talking about this last night while we were having a night of shenanigans or whatever. <laughs> that we were watching, like, a video of our first rehearsal. And we compared it to our performance from these past two weeks, and it, the difference was 
insane, right? You yeah. know? Like, <laughs> it's just insane, like, that this was, like, us winning was just, like, a reflection of how far we've come already. Well, I know you guys saw the video yesterday that Minero Magazine posted of um, you guys finding out Fine. that you guys won. <laughs> <to> see that. <laughs> what was going through your head during that time? We lost. Yeah, I said it in the video, like, oh, why are you filming us? Like, we lost. Like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> and then when they said, like, the name, it took us a second to, like, realize, like, oh, wait, what? Yeah. Like, they called us? So, I don't know. Yeah, it was crazy. We didn't think we won. Why didn't you guys think you guys went? I mean, you guys were really good. Thank you. Well, it was a combination of things. So first of all, we were really early, so that kind of gave us like a like they, it kind of gave them an advantage in terms of like people seeing them. So like mm -hmm. the crowd was already warmed up, and there's a bigger crowd. They're ready to like vibe. But with us, like it was kind of like a smaller crowd. But even then, like we were grateful that they came. Yeah. But not only that, the sound went out for uh, our keyboard players in Miss Galaxy. I don't think. It was that noticeable, but like for us, we're like, oh, that's it, like yeah. we lost. Yeah. And then when Sultan is opened with the NFL theme, there's no way we're gonna beat that. But I mean, rightfully so too. Like we thought they were incredible. So, yeah. Like, we didn't. We weren't upset. Like it was 100. percent It was like 100 percent fair. Like we think they're incredible. Like they're we're friends with them. They're friends with us. So, like, yeah. No like aggressive competition in any way, you know. So friendly competition. Friendly competition, there you go. How, do, how does Gold Rush compare to Minor Palooza? What was the biggest difference for you guys? Obviously the crowd, I know that was a big thing, but what was the difference for you guys, you know, mentally, emotionally, what was that like? I, I feel like for a lot of us, they're really, like, it's so hard to compare the two because I think, would you say Gold Rush was like the biggest crowd we played for so far? That was insane. And having, and it was the first crowd we had like, on a stage and they're up in front of us you know like they're not sitting down somewhere just the energy that you could feel coming off of everyone was so it was so great on top of us being very nervous for this there was just something i don't know minor palooza was a lot of fun too but the nerves and the first experience of playing in front of like you know students is really cool okay um so we're gonna talk a little bit about how you guys started what made you guys want to start a band okay so <laughs> Melancholy 10 was something that I had made back in high school. I'm old now, so that was like maybe 2016, like beginning of my junior, senior year of high school. And yeah, it was just kind of like, I would make music on my iPhone, a garage band. I would just like go in my car and record, because I was too scared to sing in my room, because I didn't want my parents to hear me. So I would just go in my car and sing. And eventually I started like releasing like actual music on like Spotify, and that was like 2018. And during COVID, that it didn't pick up like traction, traction, but people started to like listen, kind of like at least in the music building. And there, Bert messaged me. Well, do you want to tell this? Cause yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was on Instagram, and I saw an advertisement. I don't. There's a thing on NPR called Tiny Desks. Yeah. And they have like a contest for like artists to to enter and like send in a recording. Whoever has the best recording gets to do a Tiny Desk concert. So like the first person I thought I didn't know Chet, but I knew of Melancholy Ten. Like I'd heard of it because I was like, I was a music major at the time. Everyone knows who Melancholy Ten is. So I, was, I messaged Chet. I was like, Yo, you should do this. But I didn't have in mind us making a band. But Chet, he's like, Would you be down to try it out? <laughs> and already as it is, we have mutual friends. Like I'm friends with the the keyboard players and uh, bass player, whatever. Like we had mutual friends, so I guess he had the idea to get them in on, them in on it and whatever, and then 
I was on drums, whatever, and it was like instantly, as soon as we, we played Miss Galaxy for the first time together, it was like, we gotta keep going, you know? Like, it, it just worked. Because I had never liked being in bands, but like to be in a group with like my friends and have that that energy like that we have now, like there's nothing better. That's why that's why we're a band now. Oh, I joined <laughs> super late. They, they had already like established their own friendships. I knew Bert before yeah. I knew anybody else actually because I went to high school with him. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, what was for you, Che? You said that you started writing songs in high school. What made you want to start writing music? Was it just your passion, or? Okay, so I come from like a pretty musical family. No one like pursued it or anything. Maybe one, but I'm an only child. So first of all, there's that. I I was stuck with my imagination all the time when I was growing up, and. One specific memory that I have is my dad would always wake up and just play the guitar. He's a really good guitar player. He'd just like play and sing random stuff. He'd be like, eggs and bacon in the morning. Like he'd just <laughs> say random things. I'm like, that's so cool. So I, I remember he gave me his dad's old keyboard from like the 80s. And I would just like mess around on it. Like I wasn't even playing music. I was just like, I would go on like the very last sounds and like play like the explosions and stuff. Like, yeah. But then like I started like actually playing on the keyboard I remember the first thing I ever learned was the Tetris theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I guess that's how that like started, like my passion for music. And then once I joined like band and stuff in high school, we're all well except for Luis. Most of us are band kids in the in the group. So once I joined band, I was like, okay, I don't want to do anything else. Like music is obviously what I'm meant to do. So how can I like do that? I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want to do any other thing but write. So I decided. Maybe I'm gonna start writing music like on my phone, and it was never anything like singing. Honestly, even at the beginning, like I never thought I would have a career out of this or anything. Like, I just started making music because it was really fun, and it was just a, t a way for me to like express my boredom and or whatever other feelings. But once I started like feeling more things, like uh, sad, or, you know, <laughs> just the average high school emotions, I started like putting that into my music, and that's when I was like, oh man, like. Someone could hear this and like resonate with it. And I think that's what made me want to keep doing it. <laughs> well, what made you choose the name Melancholy 10? I don't even know. <laughs> I, I just like the word melancholy a lot. I feel like it really accurately describes like how I usually felt back in like the lowest moments of my life. Because melancholy is kind of like romantic sadness. Like it's like sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the only reason I put the 10 initially is because I knew melancholy was taken. And 10's my favorite number, because my birthday is February 10th. That's cool. But now I think of it as, like, melancholy is always on 10. I don't yeah. know. It'll change. It'll change. <laughs> no. Um, well, who are some of your guys' inspirations for creating music? And, yeah, or performing? Well, I went on this long spiel on Saturday night <laughs> with because I think Michael Jackson is, like, where I, what I always reference when we're making music, like, when it, when not only when it comes to like uh, like vocals or the instruments or whatever, when it comes down to like mixing the way the song sounds and stuff, that's like my go-to for like how it should sound, how it should feel, whatever. Yeah, that's something that's good. Totally. Uh, yeah, I think Michael Jackson, we all love Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, like I said, I joined the band a little late, like they had already established their own like, kind of sound and they needed a guitar player. And I grew up listening to a lot of like classic rock, like I love Pink Floyd and 
David Gilmour was like my hero. I wanted to sound just like him. So I played a lot of like rock blues stuff. And when I joined the band, I feel like, you know, we like that merging of those sounds that we had. I don't know. It is kind of crazy. I do. I like it a lot. And I try not to get in the way. I try not to make it so bluesy. But I think it merges really well. No, this is like I, it's off. a common. Go, go Luis. I, I think because we all come from like different backgrounds of playing too. Like a lot of us play jazz. And, you know, we like different stuff. And so when we merge it all together, it creates this weird sound that we've already kind of established. And we're just trying to work it out. Yeah, like I'll never forget. I'll never forget the first time we had Luis like for a rehearsal. Like I felt like when we were when we were first starting off, like we were good and we we knew where we were headed. We were but like we felt like we needed some kind of like glue, you know, like something to just really to seal the deal. Yeah. And once we so we played the first song with him, we knew. we were just like this is it. Like this feels good. Like it sounds nice. We're all really excited. It's like everyone had something equal to contribute. It was mm -hmm. just it was insane. Like as soon as we found Luis, it was like we had like all the missing. Like, you know? Yeah. Here's the curveball. <laughs> my, my biggest inspirations all come from like hip hop and rap. Because I grew up listening. My dad would always play like NERD, which is Pharrell's old band, Pharrell Williams, or um, John Legend. I would listen to a lot of John Legend, so that's like kind of my vocal inspiration. But my biggest inspiration musically, creatively, and just like in life, I think, is Tyler the Creator. Because when I first heard him, I knew like there was something different about him and when I found out that he does everything by himself like he produces all his own music he writes everything and if like I, that just inspired me so much that's honestly what made me want to do it like alone to begin with but then these guys came and I was like no there's no way I'm doing it alone. <laughs> um, you guys talked about how you were in band I know Luis you said that you weren't in band but how was that transition of you know classical or like marching band and all that stuff in high school in college how does that translate to now you as like an indie jazz inspired band so that was some, I'm a music major here at UTEP and as a music major we have to have like a primary instrument so I chose trombone because that's like the only thing I knew and that was always like a huge struggle because I knew my life wasn't going to revolve around trombone like I was gonna do this hopefully but school required me to spend all my time practicing trombone so I, I grew to like hate classical music kind of like in the middle of like my college career this is my last semester so I'm like reflecting right now but eventually I realized like all the things that I'm doing when I'm performing for classical music translate so perfectly into what we do now because the more you feel it the more you sell what you're doing the more people can connect with it and that's all of classical because you can't say anything when you're playing classical music you just play but you say what you want to say through your playing so I think that's what translates through us as a band the most, is that we all have that training to like convey a message through the music alone, and not like an image or like a gimmick, you know, like it's just the music speaking. Yeah. We all have that training going. Everybody's yeah. like had yeah. some training in their instrument. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just realizing that. Well, what advice do you have for somebody who's maybe looking to be a part of band, create their own band, create their own music? Do it. Do it. Just don't, don't be afraid of... Don't look from a third person perspective. Like, don't do it because you want other people to think something or because you want to impress anybody else. Do it because you love it. And as long as you do anything you love, it's just gonna work no matter what, I think. I mean, it seems like it is right now. We'll see, We're like baby stages. Yeah, I mean, just do it. Like, I, we do it because we like 
we like being with each other, we like playing with each other, and also it's just, this is just our outlet. Like whenever we need to convey some kind of emotion, we, we go to this every time we need to just get away from the things we're doing in our lives, when there's stress, whatever. We rehearse, we do something, like we go play a show. Like that's just what, that's what brings us joy. So like when there's people, like these younger people, they don't know what to do, like they, you know, they feel lost, whatever. This is just, it's, it's worth a shot because you don't know this might be the one thing that, you know, shines the light, you know? Yeah. I don't know. So what's the future for Melancholy 10? What do you guys hope to accomplish? Um, what's I know you guys, the war, the prize for Battle of the Bands was two weeks of recording, right? Uh, what do you guys hope to do with that time? I really want to write an album. I mean, I've been writing everything by myself for way too long. <laughs> There's multiple really talented writers. Like, So our keyboard players used to have their own little group called Sauce Dudes. They had this incredible EP out. Like we used to listen, it was like on my top Spotify songs at the end of the year. And they took it off Spotify because like, oh, the mix is too bad. But like, no, like they, re they write amazing music. So like, I want us to like start writing together and see what happens. Cause like, we're literally writing live on stage every time we play. It's just something different yeah. every time. Yeah. So if we have like an album of just that, I feel like that'd be sick. So that's like the goal, the near goal is to write an album with that studio time now. I mean, that should be the goal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody wants great. to be famous. I just, just, just want to work. Like, I hate working. I just want to make music. That's valid. <laughs> That's totally valid. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any upcoming shows or anything that you want people to check out? This, um, so we're going to throw a huge show um, on the 30th of September. It's going to feature some of the biggest bands in the scene here. One secret headliner, pretty big band, exciting group. I'm happy they're doing it. I can't say it, obviously, but <laughs> it's going to be at a ranch. I don't know if I said that. It's going to be at a ranch. It's going to be a bunch of art. might be Halloween-themed because I'm leaving to England in October, so have a little Halloween thing. So, yeah, that's our next show. And then we're also doing a live session at Star City Studios, but I don't know when that will come out. You can follow Melancholy10 on Instagram at melancholy.10 and find them on all streaming platforms as Melancholy10. I want to thank Luis, Che, and Bert for taking the time to be on the Prosby Podcast. Now, I've mentioned it before, but I'm no good talking about sports, let alone football. I mean, my team is the Dallas Cowboys. What do you expect? I, we literally just lost our first game. So to help out, I brought in some people who understand football a lot more than I do. Hello everyone, welcome to your sports rundown. I'm Katrina Villarreal. Here's everything that happened over the weekend in UTEP sports. The UTEP volleyball team traveled to Tulsa, Oklahoma over the weekend for the Oral Roberts Tournament, where they took on Tulsa and Abilene Christian in a doubleheader on Friday, September 9th, and Oral Roberts on September 10th. After a loss against Tulsa, the Miners were able to come back in the second game of the doubleheader for a 3-1 win against Abilene Christian, and it didn't stop there. The Miners closed out the tournament with a 3-1 win against Oral Roberts. Lastly, Utah football took on New Mexico State University for the 99th annual Battle of I-10. The Miners beat the Aggies 20-13, with the defense holding it down for the Miners. The Battle of I-10 was held at the Sun Bowl Stadium for the first time in four years, which surely brought a crowd. The Miners led NMSU 17-6 at the half, but NMSU came out of the half fighting, scoring 13 points and needing a touchdown to tie the game. NMSU had the ball with four minutes left in the game and were nearing the end zone. The UTEP defense was able to force a third turnover, sealing the win for the Miners. 
That's all for this recap, but check out theprospectordaily.com for even more recaps throughout the week. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a student athlete trying to balance school and sports? I was able to talk to sophomore defensive end and kinesiology major student Maurice Westmoreland on what it's like balancing school and athletics. What is your favorite thing about playing football? Favorite thing, just being with my teammates, just go out there and have fun. Mm-hmm. Is it difficult to balance school and football? Uh, I would say no if you put your mind to everything. But uh, actually, uh, kind of a, a little bit because, you, you know, you're tired of stuff going mm-hmm. to class. But if you love it, you know, you're going to get it done. So. Mm-hmm. And what advice would you give to those who are also student athletes that are struggling trying to balance athletics and school? Uh, I would say st- stay strong and, like, find your purpose why. Yeah, that's it. And how long have you been playing football? Uh, since middle school. So, seventh, really? yeah, seventh grade. Nice, yeah. nice. Uh, okay, so we're going to go into the games a little bit. So, the UNT game was the first sold-out game at the Sumble Stadium since 2008. How did it feel to you all seeing all the fans in the stadium? Uh, it, it was just, it was like uncanny. It was, it was crazy because I, I came from Juco, so it was, I went from barely nobody in the stands to 45,000. So, it just blew my mind. Yeah. What would you say were some defining moments during the UNT game? Uh... Probably since my first game, just how fast everything was going, mm-hmm. and just just actually like playing here, just forty five thousand was crazy. So it was your first game here as a minor, or yeah, first game here? Yeah. Well, for the Oklahoma game, you all were down eighteen points in the first half. How did you all stay positive? Uh, we because we know we had, we had plenty of football left, mm-hmm. so we just stayed stayed true to ourselves. And then you and the defense had two amazing three and outs against the Oklahoma offense. How did y'all feel after those? Uh, we, we, uh, it felt great because you know we give our, our offense momentum, so. Yeah, when you're down, you need all the momentum you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are some changes that you are planning on making for this upcoming game? This game, uh, we're just locked in. Really, above uh, our losses, it was just really just mental aspects. It's not that the other teams are better than us. We're just mm-hmm. uh, mentally like not there. Mm-hmm. And then with the first two games in your back pocket, how are you feeling about the rest of the season? Uh, now that now that I got those two games knocked out, I feel like we're gonna be like real dominant up front. Mm-hmm. The whole defense, offense. I feel like we're all like all cylinders now. Hello everyone, welcome to your bi-weekly NFL recap. I'm Emily Anna Velasquez and here is everything that happened in week one. The NFL season kicked off with the Buffalo Bills traveling to SoFi Stadium to take on the reigning Super Bowl champions. The Rams had a rude awakening with Stafford throwing three interceptions against the solid Bills defense and having no answer for the magic Josh Allen was creating on the field. The Bills defeated the Rams with a final score of 31-10, establishing themselves as the team to watch this season. The San Francisco 49ers traveled to Chicago to take on the Bears, where all eyes were on quarterback Trey Lance. While the 49ers looked solid defensively and even had a lead throughout three quarters, penalties, errors, and heavy rain allowed Justin Fields to lead the Bears to a 19-10 upset win over the Niners. One of Sunday's many thrillers was the divisional matchup between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow struggled in this game after throwing four interceptions and being sacked seven times. However, he helped keep his team in it to take the game to overtime. Quarterback Mitch Trubisky helped lead his team to their first victory of the season after defeating the Bengals 23-20. The Dolphins hosted the New England Patriots in their first division game of the season. Under the new guidance of head coach Mike McDaniel, people were excited to see Tyreek Hill in new colors alongside his new teammates. Hill led the receivers with 8 receptions and 94 yards and was a big help in their 20-7 victory over Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Tom Brady, recently unretired quarterback, and his Buccaneers traveled to AT&T Stadium to take on the Dallas Cowboys for the first Sunday night football game of the season. Brady and his team were on fire, and while the Cowboys looked good defensively, they could not get anything going offensively. 
It was a long day for the Cowboys, and it looks like it's going to be a long season after Dallas quarterback Dak Prescott injured his thumb in the game and is projected to be out for the next six to eight weeks. Tom Brady is now 7-0 against the Cowboys after winning 19-3 Sunday night. Week 1 wrapped up with the Denver Broncos traveling to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. It was a messy game full of turnovers, and it was quarterback Russell Wilson's first time not only back at Seattle, but also his debut as a Denver Bronco. It wasn't the homecoming game he expected as Geno Smith and his team pulled out with the victory with a score of 17-16. Week 2 kicks off with the Chargers traveling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs in a divisional matchup at 6.15pm Thursday, September 15th, where both teams enter the game 1-0. Thanks for listening to our NFL Recap. Hope you're here for the next episode. Before we move on, I would like to introduce our new reoccurring segment brought to you by one of our staff reporters, Allison Rodriguez. She brings you Owls Locales, your corner for all reasons you should buy local. This past Saturday, Allison interviewed local art, food, and clothing vendors at the Lollygag Night Market. To start off, we have Maeve Coffee Club, a pop-up coffee shop which sells all sorts of coffee in reusable mason jars. She asked founder Charlie Mesa what makes his coffee unique compared to larger companies. Um, Well, I do it with love. I've been doing it for a long time, and I take a lot of pride in it. Um, There's countless hours of watching YouTube videos, testing out new recipes, a lot of behind-the-scenes work that you don't see, um, because when you get your cup, it takes about two minutes. Uh, But that cup has taken me four or five years to make it to where it's at now. Thanks for joining us on Owls Locales. If you know of any local businesses you would like for us to showcase, message us on any social platform at the Utah Prospector. With NFL season just starting, I asked guest contributor Alicia Barron to ask students on campus who their favorite teams are and why. And no, they're not all Cowboy fans. I know, I was honestly kind of surprised. Hello, I'm here with Mia Bella Reese. Uh, what is your favorite football team and why? My favorite football team is the 49ers, and that's because it's been my dad's team ever since we were young, so it's a family thing. Hello, I'm here with Christian. What is your favorite football team and why? Uh, my favorite football team is the Denver Broncos. I pretty much grew up my whole life a Bronco fan. Most of my family's from Colorado, so when they moved down here, you know, they brought, you know, their Bronco fandom here. And I'm here with Cheyenne. What is your favorite football team and why? Um, my favorite football team would have to be the 49ers. I like them because, well, I felt obligated because my family likes them too. <laughs> um, but other than that, I feel like they're a pretty decent team. Well, that's it for our podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed it and I can't wait to hear what all of you thought about it. I hope you're here next time. Treat people with kindness. I'm Tahiro.